Thank you, Sister Moore. Music is medicine. Sometimes if you hear jazz, the tune, the words will be playing in your ears. So I remember some of the words of this song, and I couldn't remember the whole thing. Because even our brain is wonderful, right? It can store a lot of, has more RAM than all computers in the world put together. Trouble is that sometimes we kind of retrieve what's inside. So I had to look it up. I, you just put on eagle's wings lyrics, and uh, all of a sudden you get, and he will raise you up on eagle's wings. There you are, the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. You will dwell in the shelter of the Lord who abides in his shadow for life. Say to the Lord, my refuge, my rock in whom I trust, and he will raise you up in eagle's wings. There you are, the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. You need not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, though thousands fall around you, near you, it shall not harm, and he will raise you up on eagle's wings. There you are, the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. Fall to his angels, He's given a command to guide you in all of your ways. Upon their thrones, they nod, there you are. Lest you clash your foot against the storm. Again, he will raise you up on eagle's wings. There you are, the breath of dawn. Make you to shine like the sun and hold you and hold you. He will hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves us. It's wonderful to be here in this church and feel the Spirit of God dwell here. That's why he, he brought you here. Not to hear a message, but he brought you here because God, God's love is shown by the interaction you have with each other. All those rough edges that we have are sanded are cleaned out when you interact with each other, when I interact with you, when you interact with me. All those rough edges have to go away because we, ab we abide together and we're planning to spend eternity together. But the one that we spend most time with in this world, besides our Lord Jesus and his Holy Spirit, that are always with us, amen? amen. The only one we spend more time with is... Uh, Ourselves, yourself, myself. I mean, you're always there with you. You cannot run away from you. Even if you try, you cannot. You can deny yourself. There's various ways in denying yourself. You can deny yourself by seeding what you sh think you should have and give it to someone else. You're denying yourself. That's the Jesus way of denying yourself. Or you can deny your feelings. You can deny your reality. You can say, no, I'm not like that. And we do most of that. Um, guilty as charged. That's the way of a man, right? I'm always right. I'm the father around here. But we spend more, most of our times with ourselves. So. I just want to open the word of God and I thank our sister that read this so clearly. As you notice, my accent is not American. I, I was born in Peru in South America. And I came to this country, I came uh, to live here in 1990 in Chicago. Unfortunately, most of the people I interact with on a daily basis still speak my mother tongue, which is, which is Spanish. So uh, English uh, comes natural if I read it, if I sing it, but when I speak it, it's not so natural. So uh, that keeps some of you awake, I know, because what is he saying? What is he talking about? <laughs> is he being clear, really? So that, that is a blessing in disguise, but I want you to open the Word of God. Let's just forget about persons. And 
Let's open the Word of God and open on Ephesians chapter 5. We're studying this, this uh, trimester about families, right? That is the study of our church all over the world. If you're in Poland, if you're in Madagascar, if you're in Australia, if you're in Ukraine and you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you have attended church today if you're in Europe and you're, if you're in Australia, you're done with church, you know, you're probably about to uh, be in the hours of next day because they are ahead of us. If you're in Hawaii or some of the islands of the Pacific, you're still not even waking up or not going to church yet, but all of us studied about families this Sabbath. Verse 28. Well, let's start from verse 25 to make sure that all fathers understand that God is speaking to us. It's Father's Day. They gave us chocolate. Chocolate is, uh, has a lot of good things. A few of those are not so good, but, you know, let's leave that aside because we're talking about love and the Adventist health message, right? That's the title of the message. So we're not coming here with, a, with an axe or a gun to say you should follow the health message or else. We're trying to hear what God says. He loves us. He has us in the palms of his hands. He'll protect our lives, even though 10,000 fall to our side. I still remember to this day. There's a book, right, that uh, one of our theologians, uh, Pastor Hazel, I believe it is, uh, Hazel, from Germany, wrote a book about him growing in Nazi Germany. And the book is called 10,000 Shall Fall. And he speaks about his family's ordeal during the years of Nazi Germany. And how much they suffered. And my youngest son, Ray, who's a graduate of Downers Grove Adventist School, he was reading this book. He was probably eight, nine years old. And he is a very stoic young man. He's very organized, very serious. He's going to dental school right now. And He's just, his free time, he's either doing Uber or helping someone, going back to his books, because that's the way Downers Grove Adventist Academy, Adventist School, I'm sorry, soon to be Academy one of these days. That's, that's what he learned. There's a Dr. Patricia Williams around here. Maybe she's not here right now. Oh, she's here. She taught him lovingly how to be organized and efficient. I think he has something ingrained on him too, but a teacher can do wonders. And he was reading this book, 10,000 Shall Fall, by Pastor Hassel. And he got to the chapter where there was so much suffering that he closed the book. He's not a guy that expresses his emotions too easily. But he started crying. I said, Dad, I cannot read this book anymore. He, you know, grew up a few years later. He finished the book. But our God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to fall prey of the diseases that are in this world. For that, he gives us a family. Because by being in a family, we certainly are going to clash with each other and smooth all those rough edges. Or we can call it quits and stop the process. Or we can submit to this God that is trying to teach us loving lessons. Of course, there's abuse and there's physical abuse. I'm not talking about suffering everything and staying in a family, but you understand. Rough edges. We all have rough edges. So it says here in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So he sacrifices. He is waking up at two in the morning to go to the store and get the cough medicine or the fever and chills and whatever so he can sleep medicine. He's not saying, why do I have to be getting up at this time and carries the baby when he's crying and his wife is exhausted because of long hours at work. 
and he's not doing it so he could say the next day, see, I'm sacrificing myself for you, and I'm doing this and this and that, my list of, he's doing, as, he's doing it quietly and lovingly as Jesus himself has done. So husbands are to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Oh, so if you are to love your wife, you have to love your own body. Clue number one. Wives, if you don't feel loved by this hero, by this blueprints, by this frog converted into prince, maybe he's not loving himself too well. So as a good wife, you try to help him love himself well. Sometimes you focus on yourself as a wife, and it's natural. We're all human beings. We like and we need to express our needs. But if you see that hubby is not, what is it? Eating well, exercising, drinking water, exposing himself to the free air and sunlight, and being temperate and resting, not only resting physically, but resting in the Lord and resting his arguments and trusting in God for everything, even for those wayward children that no one knows how to turn them back he just trusts and loves and loves anyway. If you don't see him doing that, help him. How do you help a husband that is not loving himself? Well, just like he did, Adam, he had, she had to point a few things that Adam was not doing right. How do we know that? Oh, I guess they must have had arguments. If it, was, if it wasn't because of you, we'd still be in the garden. Why do you have to be paying attention to that serpent, bird, animal? Well, why do you have to eat that apple? You know, I, I ate it, I could have died myself, and I prefer to be dead anyway, because you were just pestering me with this argument all the time. And so Cain was born. Cain had to learn his temperament from someone. Cain had to learn to be an angry man. The first one that was an assassin, a killer. Because there was argument all the time. There was a toxic environment. And we're talking about health here. Everything is health. Everything revolves around health. So the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you Drop your anger. It doesn't do you well. Anger goes away when there is, you read the Proverbs, right? An angry word can steer another angry word, but a bland and soft answer takes away wrath. A smile disarms angry people. Sometimes you have to smile a lot. Sometimes angry people need a little bit of anger management. How do we understand the health message in love? You have to take it in the context of your person and the context of a family. And then, after you take it in that context, you can expand it to your church family, to your work family, to your neighborhood family. It works that way. See, you are thinking right now, and it's 11.51, so I have to do a summary. You think I'm here in church, you know, my head is here, my nose is here, right? Head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? The kids sing that song. We can count all our cells. We have, some of you have more hair cells than I do, and I thank God for that. Because I have something that I'm not, going, not, not having now when Jesus appears in the clouds of heaven. I used to have an afro when I was 17 years old, believe it or not. So God is going to give me back that. But if we, if we count all the cells in our body, you know, a, a hair cell just by itself has thousands of cells. 
is made by thousands of cells. You add up all your hair cells, and you add up all your skin cells, and all your bone cells, and you know, you name it. We have cells in our teeth, in our tongue, every organ is made up of cells. It's calculated that we have trillions of cells. I'm not gonna even mention the number because in North America, in the United States, a trillion means something different than in Great Britain or in the rest of the world, right? You guys just go every, every three-eighths, million, billion, trillion. That's why uh, you know, somebody can be a trillionaire. But in other countries, we call it a million, a thousand million, right? Then a million million is a billion, right? Then after that, you can have your trillion, quadrillion, etc. And uh, the, Hind the, the people from, from India actually have a, a wonderful system of counting stuff, and they're gonna go into that, because I still don't understand it very well. Uh, they, they separate with a comma, you know, twos or threes, zeros, I, I have no idea. But if we number the cells in our body, they pale, they are, a very little number, we compare it just to the number of bacteria that live inside of us. I'm not counting the bacteria that live on top of us in our skin. There's also a lot of them. But if you could count, and people have tried to, and they have been almost successful in counting the number of bacteria in your gut. See, sometimes you, you say, I feel it in my gut. You're actually saying something true. Because your gut is thinking, it's doing a lot of thinking for you. You have at least, it's calculated, between three times and eight times the total number of cells in your body, you have three, eight more times bacteria in your gut. So those cells are active. They are not there, you know, okay, let's see what happens here. This, this person's kind of slow, so he's just gonna just, you know, have a good time here. No, they are dividing themselves, eating stuff, the stuff they eat is the stuff that we feed them, and those are the ones that are largely responsible for our health, largely responsible for our mood. What? Really? No. You know, I can take a laxative, flush myself, and rid myself of all those depressed, evil thoughts. Well, I wish it was that easy. Uh, by giving yourself a laxative, and I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we're in church and you know, you're gonna have potluck, I don't know, you're gonna go to home and eat, but I'm gonna speak a little bit about live, real stuff, okay? The Bible is not shy about that. When Eglon, you know who Eglon was? I give him my chocolate to whoever says who Eglon was. Who, who was Eglon, the king of Moab? Who was that? No, no? Was the king of Moab, okay, right? <laughs> Oh, he got, yeah, yeah, he got the, the yeah, he got killed by uh, Ehud, right? Ehud uh, was a left-handed guy. So he, uh, Ehud was trying to liberate Israel from the Moabites. And the king of Moab, the Bible says, it doesn't describe, yeah, there you go. Very good, very good. Yeah, you can have my chocolate. <laughs> he was a very obese man. His body mass index was about 50, probably. He was known for that. And he said that he was covering his feet. Do you know what the Bible means when the King James translate, this person was covering his feet? <laughs> yeah, very good. He was using the restroom, right. So there's two instances where the Bible mentions that. One is Eglon, the king of Moab, and the other one is Saul, very good, King Saul, right? King Saul was covering his feet and they both got uh, almost killed. Well, Eglon got killed. Uh, Ehud said to the guards, I need, I have an urgent word to speak to the king. And they said, mm -hmm. well, uh, he can't right now, he's busy. <laughs> no, no, this is really urgent, it's life or death. Okay, if you really think it's life or death, go in, he is in his chamber covering his feet. All right, so he went there, so it's gonna be easy, you know, if I have to kill this guy, he's there, you know, covering his feet, just got his knife and says, I have a word for you, Foo. And uh, the Bible says that Ehud's hand, and the knife was kind of long, the whole shaft of the, the knife went into the king's belly, and Ehud's hand too, it was so big. And then he got it out, and everything gushed out. You can imagine what gushed out, not only blood, but all the contents of the bowel. So um, what did Ehud do? He didn't go out the way he came. He was very wise. They're gonna, you know, see me that I'm smelly and bloody, and they're gonna say, what, what, what went on? So, he went down the hole, 
the manhole. Um, you probably remember some holes, right? He went to camp once and there was no bathroom or toilet, it was just a hole. So he went down the hole. And that hole, you know, was, uh, had a way of escape. They drained it all to the local brook, so Ehud got down and got out, and he wasn't probably smelling that good, but he was alive. And he did the deed that God had commanded him to do. The other one is King Saul, he was doing his business, and David, he, he got into a cave, actually, right? He didn't want to be seen by his men. So um, David had the opportunity. He was in the cave with his men, and. Saul was there alone, everybody was out. They left him alone to do his business. So his men told David, look at, he's just David crouching, kill him, you know, he's your enemy. And King David says, I cannot put my hand over an anointed of God. That should, tells us, that should tell us that we should respect our leaders. Especially when they are in that position, especially when they are doing bad things. We should respect our leaders. And in the ministry, we, ha we have, uh, thank you, Brother Joe, he read about, you know, he worked with pastors all the time, and we have the health message. We have to be subservient to the needs of the gospel. I cannot tell my pastor, you're doing this thing wrong, you know, you should eat better, you should exercise. My mission is to love him. My mission is to support him, pray when he's sick. If I can share something in a loving fashion about how to live better, how to heal from all these maladies. I don't have to say, well, the spirit of prophecy says here that in nuts and vegetables and legumes and cereals is all we need. You don't need to eat meat. That's why you're sick. I just killed him. And in the process, I'm killing myself. No one loves his wife without loving his own body. We, we take care of our body, but to take care of our body, we need to think about this little bacteria living inside of us. We can cultivate, this is like a garden. You, uh, you like gardening? You have a green thumb? You all have a green thumb? You, no, actually you all have a brown thumb. Let's change that. Green is what you do with your greens outside. But those greens outside, when you eat those greens outside, you feed the brown inside. We all have good bacteria. Unfortunately, because of our lifestyle and our stresses and our lack of sleep, our bacteria get shifted. The good bacteria lose the battle and they have to seed. You know, I, I wish I would have prepared this a little better, but anyway, just use your imagination. Every little cell in our intestines on the surface, they have chairs and seats and thrones. Those we call receptors, membrane receptors. If you look microscopically, they are little chairs. And they have exactly the shape of certain bacteria that should be sitting on those chairs. You all have a comfy chair at home, I'm sure. The one that you fit more comfortably in. If you gain some weight, maybe you get another chair and you fit comfortably in this one too, so you have your favorite chair. So, this bacteria, this good bacteria, and we call them lactobacillus or firmicutes or bifidobacterium. You know, they have different names because some people are smarter, they put names on bacteria. They're good bacteria. God created our intestinal cells with special seeds where this good bacteria fit exactly. Bad bacteria use certain parts of their surface that they imitate the good bacteria. They kind of, you know, act in disguise and they use this surface parts to be linked to these seeds. So if a good bacteria is a little bit destructive because you haven't fed this good bacteria well, bad bacteria that are just floating in the intestines looking for a place to sit, go close to one of these good bacteria and poof, bump it up. And they sit there. Ha! And pretty soon the colonization of your bowel, when you were born, you had no bacteria. You were sterile. Yes, babies in utero poop. It's called meconium. You're learning a lot of this stuff, right? I mean, you're going to have lunch after. Meconium, meconium. It's the stool that babies in utero make. And it's sterile. 
Why is it made out if it's sterile? They are not eating anything? Well, cells in the intestines exchange themselves every two, three days. So cells that are in the surface today are gone in two, three days. New cells come from the bottom with new chairs. Trouble is that you have this bad bacteria and they see the new cell coming, they immediately transfer themselves to the new chairs. They always have a new chair, they live happy there. And they also multiplicate in day by the millions, the thousands and millions. So, by our lifestyles and our diet, we change our composition of bacteria inside. So we can also make them well, we can repopulate our intestines with good bacteria if we go out and practice this eight natural, eight easy to do yourself remedies. You eat of the greens, you eat of the roots of the ground. Remember that we were cursed. <laughs> That's not actually a curse. You know, Eve was cursed. Oh, you're gonna have pain during your birth. And we think that's a curse, but you know, there's more release of oxytocin, the hormone that binds you to that kid, the hormone that binds you to your husband and wife. There's more release of oxytocin during childbirth pain than any other activity that we may have. And by breastfeeding your baby, you get a lot of oxytocin out. By having good sexual relationships with your mate and your husband, you also get a lot of oxytocin out. But we have birth pain. A lot of oxytocin being released, more than all these other activities. So this curse is actually something that is going to bind you to your child. And if your husband is present, fathers, please make every effort. Even if you're past that age already, teach your children to make every effort to be present at the time of a child's birth. You're going to be bonded for life. There's so much oxytocin. This is a hormone that is produced in the mother's brain that permeates your blood. It's even in your breath. There are some substances that are similar to that, that this mom will be breathing out and the husband is there. He's also inhaling all this. God made us chemical beings. We cannot escape that fact. That's why diet and lifestyle are so important. And that's why a loving God wants us to live abundant lives. The thief comes to kill, destroy, but Jesus came so we have life and we have abundant life. So love at home starts with this chemical dance between the husband, the wife, the children, and all these millions and trillions of bacteria living inside each one of them. The baby's born, no bacteria. First thing he does, goes to the mother's breast, gets this mother's milk that initially is not white, it's kind of yellowish, it's got colostrum, it's full of mother's white blood cells and antibodies that the baby needs to protect itself against all the bad guys that are out there. But this milk feeds good bacteria. These bacteria were present in the mother's birth canal. The baby is born through the birth canal. This is different, the C-section babies don't get this benefit. That's why it's so good to be born by the birth canal even though it hurts. A C-section is usually painless. The recovery may be a little bit painful, you know, your suture is there, but if you're born by cesarean, if you give birth by cesarean, you're anesthetized, you don't feel anything. But you don't get the benefit of passing through the canal and inhaling and sucking all this good bacteria that should be present in the mother's birth canal. You can alter this bacteria in the birth canal by eating and living a wrong lifestyle, alcohol use of flesh meats, all those alter the bacteria. If we want to be good to our body, let's feed our body what our bacteria inside, which are more numerous than we are, need. This is a sure prevention for all the common diseases we have. Cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. And some people got so smart and say, okay, if that is the secret of long health and good health, we're gonna eat ourselves lots of probiotics. We're gonna have probiotics for breakfast and lunch and dinner and probiotic industry saying yes. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You can put all the probiotics you have, you're gonna increase the number of bacteria in your gut and the bad bacteria is still gonna be there if you don't change your lifestyle and dietary habits. 
if you don't go back to the Eden's diet, it's such a pleasure to sit down at a table after months of struggling with yourself and finally smelling the aroma of a ripe peach or a nectarine and tasting that dissolving in your mouth and praising God with every bite because of the goodness he has created for us to be healthy. And healthy doesn't mean just to be healthy physically. Healthy is the same word as saved in the Bible. When we're saved, you know, we go down to that baptismal tank and we get out of there, we say, glory to God, my sins are forgiven. I'm clean and accept accepted in the Lord. But when your whole being is restored, and it can be only restored to a certain fraction in this life, understood, we live in a hijacked world. But don't be discouraged that, you know, even though this person did so well and did this and that, he still died of cancer. It's very hard, actually, if you do everything well, dying of cancer. You die of an old age, actually, if you do everything well. You get to be the 120 years that God told Noah that humanity was going to achieve after the change of the creation world to the after-flood world. Those 120 years are ingrained in our being. We can live that much. And we can live this fully. Uh, a while ago, I emailed, I don't know if, if uh, I, I made a little mistake, Elvin. I should have emailed this. Uh, uh, there's an email that was sent to media at uh, DGSDS uh, just a few minutes ago. I don't know if the brother back there can read the email for media at dgsda.org. I sent a short vi uh, YouTube video that if the brother can open up and pass at any time, you know, you don't have to rush. Um, we can see, it's actually an object lesson. It's about a minute and 30 seconds, an object lesson. And living to our ripe old age in good health, with good health quality, that's what the health measures is all about. So we can live happy lives. It's not to say, okay, we're 70, obviously we're the healthiest, we live 10 years longer than other people. And God is saying, duh, you should be living 120 years to my people. Like God doesn't say that because he loves us. He, he's not, you know, he doesn't like to make fun of us. He's actually coming down to say, yes, yes, you live in 10 more years. Keep it up. You can live 20, you can live 30 more. You can be 120. When uh, Jacob the patriarch got to Egypt, you remember that Joseph got there as a slave and then became a prince. He forgave his brothers. That's a lesson in health. He was affected. He was accused. He was sold by his brothers. But he forgave. And he forgave with a good, clean heart, and he loved his family. And he, you know, brings Jacob and the tribe from Palestine and says, come over, you know, we have it good here in Egypt. There's a land of Goshen. You're going to have land for your cattle. You're going to have land for your crops. Come over, please. And Jacob is there in the land of Canaan, and he hears the news. Like the proverb says, right? It's such a good thing to hear good news from a faraway country. And I can imagine Jacob hearing, really, is Joseph still alive? Yes, they tell him, he's alive. And he knows his brother Benjamin, and he you know, did all these tricks, but now he's inviting us to go there. And what about the, 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 the multicolored coat that you guys showed me that was all ripped and full of blood and they had to say, Daddy, we're sorry. We, we killed a lamb and we put the blood of the lamb on this coat and we ripped it ourselves so you could believe that he was killed. He wasn't killed, we sold him. But he has forgiveness. When Jacob heard that, he said, this is indeed good news. Now I believe. Now when you tell your story that you were forgiven because you did something wrong and you feel so happy because you're forgiven, now I believe when you share your testimony to other people of how bad were you and how good and gracious your God is and has forgiven you, has given you a new lease of life. Oh, I thank God for this church. He says, video's ready to go. <laughs> In a minute. Jacob believes. He jumps into that carriage that his son Joseph has sent him. You know, if we put it in modern terms, he goes to this Tesla that Joseph has sent him because he's the father of the visit regent of Egypt. That he's entitled to move to this country. He not only has a green card, he has already a citizenship there. And he has land assigned for him. He goes without fear. 
and he's happy. He's riding the carriage. And Joseph goes out to meet him in the land of Goshen because Joseph says, okay, I don't want my family to come. Joseph is such an example of, of being modest and being attentive to other people's needs and prejudice. He doesn't want to offend anyone. That was a true health reformer, Joseph. He says, okay, I'm going to stop my family in Goshen. I don't want them to come all the way to the king's palace because uh, cattle uh, and people with birds are an abomination to the Egyptians. They, you know, they shave themselves. They don't have uh, you know, land animals living with them in close quarters. So Joseph goes there. And Pharaoh gets curious. Pharaoh has heard the cries of the brothers. He has heard the story about how forgiveness occurred in that family. And Pharaoh is curious. Pharaoh wants to see what is the reaction of the father when he meets Joseph. He wants to see that family reunion. He's not going to miss it. It's like the last episode of a big novel going on there right now. And he goes there, and he sees Jacob coming down of the carriage. In Egypt, they have tombs for pharaohs and for people that died in their youth. Most of the skeletons recovered from Egyptian tombs are from people that were no older than 60 years old. And why were they that young still when they died? Because they also had gallstones. They also had ulcer disease. They have tumors. Their mummified arteries show atherosclerotic deposits there. They had heart disease, vascular disease. They died young, relatively young. And when Pharaoh says, seen Jacob coming down of the carriage in full vigor, coming down, and he realizes this is an old man. How old are you? That's the first question that Pharaoh asked. And Pharaoh didn't say, oh, it's because I'm a Jewish and I keep this, I keep that. He said he, he praised God. And the video, if the video runs, we're going to let the video run. Anytime you're ready, just make it run. This is what God wants us about the whole health message. These people became transformed in body, in mind, and soul. They were humbly obedient to God. And God invites us to be humbly obedient, to live ripe old lives, and to be of testimony to him, a loving testimony, not a pushy, see what I'm doing testimony, a loving testimony of the greatness and goodness of our God. Uh, do we have the video? Yes, go, okay. Father, speaking to the Father here, love yourself enough to submit humbly and lovingly to your Creator. So you can see your grandchildren in good health, with good minds. My father was a Seventh-day Adventist teacher he did not believe in the health message. Maybe he was taught to him the wrong way. I have no idea how he learned it, but he, he didn't want to leave it. He died when he was 53 years old after losing his memory, his mind at age 45 due to multiple strokes. 
what we call multi-infarct dementia now. After many little strokes, little strokes, little strokes, you lose your memory, you lose your mind, you lose your capacity to speak, to understand what's going on. His mother, my grandma, I met briefly until the age of four, because when I was four years old, she passed away. She was 56. But the grandmother I met was already speechless, paralyzed, after many multiple strokes. I only have one sister. She's older than I am. When she was 39 years old, she had her first lacunar stroke, mini, mini stroke we call it now. A uh, little few days she was weak on her left side and then she improved and she got the idea that had to take care of her blood pressure, her high cholesterol. At that time I was 31 years old. I had high blood pressure. I was hiding it from everybody because I'm a doctor, you know, I just take my own blood pressure, it was high, oh, that's okay, you know. If, really, if it really gets high, I thought, I can uh, get free drug samples. <laughs> I'm a doctor. It's not that high yet. I was, I was denying myself, right? The wrong way. Um, one day, uh, my wife and I were talking about, my wife is a physician too, She's, she deals with infectious diseases, you know, that's why I, I have learned with her, from her so much about this microbiome, it's called the, the city, the, the state, city state we have inside our guts, the microbiome. We have to care of our microbiome and you know, God has created us to live in harmony with this microbiome and he has put all these eight natural remedies so we can have a good microbiome and we can enjoy life most of the medical science nowadays is investigating and researching about microbiomes. And they come with these weird things. Okay, we're gonna instill a new microbiome in you and we're gonna pay uh, $2,000. You know, we have all patents already. It's, it's so crazy out there. Cancer patients need this different microbiome so they can improve. No, they just, we just need the, the eight natural remedies. God will do this microbiome miracle inside of us. We'll be happier, healthier. Our skin will look brighter. If we do it in time, our hair will not fall. You know, I did it too late anyway, obviously. 31 years old, high blood pressure, my cholesterol, my wife was prodding me, you know, what's your cholesterol? I said, I don't know. I said, well, if you don't check it, you will not know it. So one day I, I realized, you know, she's pestering me so much, you know, I read the proverb says, you know, the, the woman that is insisting, insisting is like a hole in your roof. I say, okay, fine, I'll get my cholesterol done. But I got it done at a place that I could only see the results, right? So, so the results is like, that's bad, man. It's like cholesterol total, 390, 390. Well, I said, I'm genetically cursed. Surprise, surprise. And then uh, triglycerides, uh, up normal to 150. Michael, triglycerides, 950. I said, that's okay, I can work with that. I can, you know, it's high, I can lower it. Um, good cholesterol, the one that protects you, right? You should be having about 40 to protect you from the bad cholesterol. Should be about 40, should be 50, 60, the higher it is, you know, not, doesn't matter really how high your cholesterol, your total cholesterol is. My cholesterol was, good cholesterol, 17. Okay. So my wife says, have you checked your cholesterol? Uh, not yet, not yet. Uh, one day, uh, I guess she got me a little bit thinking about, you know, when men do several things, we don't, we, we don't control, you know, what we say sometimes. So I was helping to wash the dishes and she had told me to warm up some food there and then she asked me, how, so how was your cholesterol? So without thinking, I said it was 390. And she goes, what? And I realized, oh, okay, I said it already. Yeah, it was 390, why, why cover it up? And, and what about the other stuff? Then, uh, you know, slowly triglycerides are this, HDL is that, and she says, uh, have you checked your blood pressure? Well, not lately. I says, just wait here, don't move. I'll bring a little machine, we'll check your blood pressure. And I took 10 deep breaths, you know, I take 10 deep breaths, you relax. That lowers your blood pressure, actually, you know, almost immediately, so it's okay, <laughs> okay. So she took, it's 150 over 102, that's fine. I mean, normally it's 119, the higher number, and 
79, the lower number, right? So you can be normal. So she said, okay, so you have high cholesterol, high triglycerides, low good cholesterol, and high blood pressure. And you're 31 years old. So your father died at age 40, okay, he, had his, he lost his mind at age 45, he died at age 52. How long until that happens to you? I started defending myself like a good man I am, right? I'm a husband, I know, besides I'm a doctor. Well, my father was a teacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm a physician. If I have problems, I have colleagues that can, you know, I can see for free actually at any time I want. They can make a phone call, they can do a catheterization in me, they can do these procedures, open my arteries, I can take drug samples, and my wife says, and you can be a fool, a dead fool too. <laughs> and she loves me, that's why, you know, so. So I struggle with the idea of changing my diet because I like cheese and I like milk and I like my cookies with warm milk and uh, the pizza that is dripping cheese, you know, you just can't get away from it because it has lots of caso, casomorphin, caso, casein. Casomorphin is a substance that is similar to morphine. That's why little calves get hooked onto the mother's breast so they can drink all this milk. They are addicted to it until something kicks in their brains and they don't no longer do that. You haven't seen a bull three years old drinking mother's milk. They don't do it. But you know, humans, we get addicted to these things and then we call, we sing happy mud pie for me, happy mud pie for me, two hands. Mud pie, you know what mud pie is. This ice cream that has a lot of stuff, right? So anyway, my wife tried to change my diet and I, I acquiesced, I said, okay, I don't wanna die like my father, so I'm gonna start eating you know, at home and it was good food, it was plant-based food and I felt a little better, my numbers got better but they never normalized because when I went to work and they had a celebration with donuts and pizza, here it comes, yeah? Good successful surgery of if somebody brings pizza, they work too long, yeah, a little pizza, you know, like, uh, just one, you know, that's, that's not gonna do I mean, any harm, right? So you just, you just fall for these things, and your numbers don't improve, of course. So I went to get my second blood test, and they were a little better. The cholesterol was 240, and the HDL was 20. Big improvement, right? Not really. Uh, so my wife says, we're doing everything right. What's going on? She says, well, I told you, I'm genetically cursed. No matter what I do, I had to be able to take, uh, you know, lovastatin, uh, atorvastatin, simvastatin, bastatin, bastatin, to lower my cholesterol, and setia, acetamib, to lower my cholesterol, my cholesterol also, and all the things to lower my triglycerides. So I had to do that. No, you're not. You're not doing things right. Well, I'm exercising. I'm doing all these things. One day she goes to the hospital and she sees me celebrating a birthday of some of our coworkers and. There's all kinds of good food there, bad food. And she says, oh, now, we're, now I get it. <laughs> okay, so get home and she says, um, all right, I'm not gonna bother you anymore, I'm not gonna pester you anymore. Just do one thing for me. Just get yourself a good life insurance policy. <laughs> I got offended, I have to say that. She wants to see me dead. That's, and then what she's gonna do with all the money, because um, a few weeks later I realized what was I doing with myself. I, I encountered myself, and myself was not good. Myself was sick and tired, was full of joint pains, depressive thoughts, asthma. I needed a little pump to get out of the house and be breathing free. Of course, my cholesterol blood pressure were high. I was 20 pounds bigger, and I felt weak, tired, and I looked at the door outside, and uh, it was sunny, and it was summertime, and my wife came back from jogging around the street. And I saw her just her silhouette on the door, because the sun was, you know, setting on the west, and was hitting that. And I saw my wife and I looked at her, young, beautiful, no diseases. And I thought to myself, okay, so in a few years I get a stroke, I become disabled, I die. And who's gonna take my wife? She's young, she's beautiful, she's healthy. I thought, God, 
I can't do it. I cannot do this. It's too hard for me to change my diet and lifestyle. You have to do it for me. I cannot. God works miracles. I'm not a perfect model of health. But I got changed my brain. I'm still doing it. I thank God for the wife he's given me. This year we're going to be married for 38 years. And she has, by changing herself, she stopped all the nagging, everything, by just changing herself and being the beautiful person that God created her to be. It's a powerful message that I could not resist. Love is, a, is at the heart of the Adventist health message. If we don't do it this way, it becomes a curse. If we do it with the love God has put in our heart, it is the most wonderful blessing you can ever receive. And I invite you today to just open your hearts to God. If you have been struggling with this, don't struggle anymore. Say, Lord, whatever operation you need to do here, do it. So I can be kind and tender and good to these little guys you put inside of me. We all have good bacteria. They may be our number right now, but if we start feeding them, Food and drink, more, more important things. Water, greens. Water, greens, roots. Can you remember that? Water, green, roots. You can think of it this way. You need water for the roots to grow in greens. So by doing these three groups, you can revert all the common diseases that you have in this society in this day and age. Diabetes, overweight, obesity. Metabolic syndrome, which is a combination of diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Those three go together. Don't be scared. They can kill you. They can give you heart attacks. They are at the seed of most cancers, those three conditions. They can revert them by watering your roots that will grow in greens, by drinking that water, eating those roots, and eating the greens. Fruit is dessert. Cereals are for people that burn a lot of energy. We don't burn a lot of energy in this society. So cereals have to be really low in the list. Water, roots, and greens. The humble food that got created, the curse that got created and told Adam, now from, from this day on, you're gonna eat with the sweat of your brow, you're gonna eat plants on the ground. I don't like them. Oh, salad, blah. In Spanish, you say fuchi, right? The great blessing, don't reject the blessing God has given you. That's my prayer for you today. God bless you.